Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is where you are. Uh, thank you for tuning in again to The Root, uh, Rev Kev with The Root, uh, where we try to tackle through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, those issues, not only that are visible, but the cause of those visible behaviors that we see in our society today. And so with God's help and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to get to the root of human behavior. And we want to, you know, look at and focus on the negative behavior of man. But also we want to look at the positive behavior of man and how we can preserve that positive behavior. Um, and then a lot of it really, all of it starts with our thinking. And, you know, Paul said in the book of Romans, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you think a certain way, then you will be, uh, your behavior will conform to the pattern of your thinking. And you will be the very thing that you meditate upon, that you think about. Uh, and today it is so important that we renew our mind with the word of God, with everything that is going on in our society today, with uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, we have to renew our minds and understand that, uh, you know, we, we uh, have faith in God and we have a, a particular confidence in God. But nevertheless, we're still always dealing with that human side. And we know that James said, don't be a forgetful hearer. Don't be like one that goes and looks at his face in the mirror and then goes away and forgets what manner of man he was or what manner of woman she is. And I say that with the genders because of the simple fact that a lot of times the word of God says that, you know, we are the sons of God. And that's what we've been talking about lately. Now are we the sons of God? But yet in God, there is no gender. And he said in his word that there is neither male nor female bond nor free, uh, but we're all one in Christ. And, you know, when we uh, receive our glorified bodies from the Lord, uh, there won't be any gender. So it's not real. It's not about gender, but it's uh, God made each and every person to be a spirit. But those are just the bodies that we inhabit right now while we're here on earth. But we will receive a glorified body. You know, one time Jesus was asked, and just to explain what I'm talking about, and when I go on these uh, different references that I make, uh, is just to explain what I'm really meaning. Uh, one time Jesus was asked, he, they asked him, he said, um, you know, a man died and he had more than one brother. Uh, whose wife shall she be in the resurrection? And Jesus said in the resurrection, yeah, there is no marriage. There is no you know, husbands or wives or things like that. And so... Uh, you know, uh, just to explain what I'm saying, that it's not about gender, but it is about a creation that have been created in God. You know, it's the same way uh, when God talks about that he is a spirit. And so when God created man in his image and his likeness, I've said before that God wasn't talking about a physical appearance, but he was talking about his characteristics, his attributes. God created man to be like him in his thinking, in his attributes and everything. And so to get the right kind of thinking, we have to get God's thinking. That's why he said to take on the mind of Christ, put on the mind of Christ, because our minds many times have been programmed to think a certain way. Uh, and a lot of our thinking would lead to fear and uncertainty and everything, just like with this COVID-19. And, you know, my heart hurts for the people that have lost their loved ones. My condolences goes out to each and every person. My prayers go out for each and every family of those that have lost loved ones. Uh, but at the same time, we understand that our protection and our healing and our hope are all wrapped up in God. So before we get started, let's say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you right now tonight for each and every person that have gathered uh, to listen to this podcast. Father, wherever they are, whether they be in their car or in their home or in their office at work, uh, Lord, wherever they may be, I pray that you draw near to them, Lord, that you would make yourself real to them. Lord, only you can explain life to us, Lord. 
And only you can comfort us in times when we really need to be comforted. Only you can give us the tools for life that we need, Lord, to be able to live this life the way that you want us to live it. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you be with our first responders, Lord, that you be with the nurses and, Lord, with their immune systems, Father, with the doctors and their immune systems, Lord. With, uh, Lord, I pray that you shield them and, God, and uh, protect them from this from this virus, Lord God. And Father, even those that are on the brink of death, Lord, I pray that you'd bring them back. I pray that you'd heal their bodies. Lord, we know that you're a healer. We know that you're a deliverer. Lord, we know that you are the one who makes us whole. Lord, you said that you would that we would prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So Father, I pray that you would let your perfect will be done through this epidemic, Lord, this pandemic as we call it. Uh, Lord, let your will be done, Father, in this earth. And Father, we just ask that you would address every need, Father, the, the ventilators that's needed. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that, that you would let uh, those that are making those uh, systems, Lord, to save lives, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom, that you would give them a steady hand, that you, Lord, would give them, uh, Father, the endurance and, Father, the let them uh, feel rest in their bodies, Father, and not overwork themselves. But, Lord, I pray that it would be a speedy process, Lord, as speedy as possible. Lord, we don't want to cause them any harm either, Father, because they need their rest and they need their immune system to be up. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch each and every person. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would be with our the, the governing officials, Lord God. And, Father, that you would lead them and guide them, Father, the president of this country, Lord. Lead him and guide him by the mouth of your prophets, Lord God. Father, let no man think that he has all the answers. Let no man think or be so prideful, Lord, that, that he is uh, trying to beat his chest and and show who he is but lord help every person lord that is in office today whether it be the president the mayor the governor whoever it is lord let them sense father their dependence upon you let them sense father that the urgency of crying out to you of asking you for your wisdom lord and i pray father that you would give them lord uh, a heart to know you because lord we know that you're still the answer for each and every circumstance and situation that we go through lord we don't always understand life and lord we we won't ever have all the answers but lord we know that we all we need to do is trust in you and believe father that lord you said whoever believes he shall receive lord we can say to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea if we have just a a a, a mustard seed of faith lord the grain of a mustard seed of faith, we can say to that mountain, "Be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done for us, Lord, but help us not to pray selfish prayers, but Lord, help us to pray in accordance with your will, Father, because we know Lord, only as we align up with you and only as we call things what you call them, and only as we do things the way you want them done, then we'll receive results, Father, so Father, we pray that you would be with each and every person, Lord. We know that people are fearful. We know that people are worried. We know that they're concerned. And Lord, we fight that human side, Lord. And we, even though we're Christians, preachers, prophets, evangelists, or whatever, we're still human. So, But we don't succumb to our fears and to our worries and to our doubts. But Lord, we... We, we we bowed and we yield to your word and to your promises and to your character because we know you to be faithful. So, Lord, we trust in you and we depend on you in Jesus name. Amen. So this last week, I uh, uh, on our last podcast, we talked about uh, the judgment of God. And I really believe <clears throat> that this pandemic, that this coronavirus is a judgment from God. And a lot of times we have to, um, you know, really God has to allow things to happen in our lives a lot of times to get us focused or refocused. Uh, and sometimes it's almost like we're in sleep mode and, you know, just cruising through life, not really paying attention to what's really going on. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of one of the parables that Jesus gave when he was talking about the tares and the wheat. And he said, you know, um, that those tares got sown into the ground while they were sleeping, while while those that were supposed to be stewards were sleeping while they and sleep is a state of being unaware of what's going on around you 
Um, sleep is a state of somewhat uh, being uh, unconscious of what's really happening. And God, a lot of times, allows things, no matter how dramatic they may be, he allows them to wake us up and to shake us and to get us refocused and to get us, you know, with our eyes open. Because even Peter said uh, that to be sober and to be vigilant, be watchful, don't be drunk uh, with, with, with pleasure or don't be drunk with, with entertainment or don't be drunk with any of these things, you know, where it takes our priorities away from us, but be sober and be vigilant. Vigilant means to be watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus said while they were sleeping, these tares were sown uh, into the ground. And so, you know, God, we, God has given us his word. And a lot of times people look at the word of God, you know, as, as a religious object or or something just a uh, something to be read whenever you are fearful or or something to be read whenever you need comfort and all is good for all of those things the bible says paul told timothy that the word of god is good for doctrine for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be thoroughly furnished <clears throat> but even though all those things are true but yet the word of god also contains tools for life. And the word of God contains principles that we, you and I must live by because a lot of times we expect results, but yet we're not doing what it takes to get the results. And just like I prayed at the beginning of the podcast, you know, Lord, help us not to pray selfish prayers. James said, you have not because you ask not. And then you ask and you still don't have because you're asking amiss that you might consume it upon your own lust. First John says that if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. So if we don't ask anything, if we don't ask according to his will, God is not obligated. God is only obligated to himself because the word says in Ephesians that God works all things according to his own purposes, according to his own will. Even when it, uh, a scripture that a lot of Christians love and I love it myself, where it says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Don't forget that part. The thing that he's working, he's not working it just because we ask him to do it, but he's working it according to his purpose. The Bible said that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down at the right hand of God. A lot of times we look at situations in life and just like with this virus or whatever else, and we say, well, why is God allowing this to happen? But sometimes, you know, man makes his, he, he makes his own bed, in, so to speak. And people, the older people used to say, you know, you make your bed hard, you have to lay in it. And so, you know, but nevertheless, uh, the Bible says that we reap what we sow. And God, from the very beginning, put man on earth to be a steward. The Bible said that, the, that there was no man to till the ground. When God cre put the, um, the Garden of Eden on the earth, the Bible said there was no man to till the ground. And so God created man. God said, I'm going to make man in my image and in my likeness, I need somebody that's going to run the world the way I want it ran, the way I would run it, according to my own dictates. And so he created man. And the Bible said that he put man in the garden to dress it and to keep it. Man has to understand that he has to live by the principles of God, because anytime we don't live by the principles of God, then we can expect the results of God. And not only that, but we can expect the very adverse, the very opposite of what God has promised, because we're not operating in the thing the way he called us to operate in it. Let me give you an example. When the prophet Ezekiel was out there in the valley of dry bones, the Bible says that the spirit of God raised Ezekiel up. You see, a lot of times we cannot really see things the way we ought to see it. And when I say things, I mean life. I mean, our families, I mean, government, I mean, uh, uh, social situations. Uh, there's, there's even like this pandemic with coronavirus. We can't really see it 
the way we ought to see it, but it takes the spirit of God to to get a hold of us and raise us up in the spirit. And when I mean raise us up, I mean to elevate us, to give us revelation of what's really going on. The Bible said, Ezekiel said, the spirit of God grabbed me and he raised me up and he set me down in the middle of a valley. And the valley was full of dry bones. And the spirit of God, God himself asked Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now, when God set Ezekiel down in the middle of the valley, God already knew what he was trying to show Ezekiel. But from the vantage point that Ezekiel was before God put him where he was, he really couldn't see. And a lot of times we have to get in our prayer closet with God. We have to get alone with God somewhere and say, Lord, help me to see. Open my eyes and help me to see what's really going on. And so the Lord took Ezekiel, set him down in the middle of this valley, and he asked him a pertinent question. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gave God an answer. And the answer was an honest, transparent, and open answer. And see, that's that's what we really need today is people in the, in the Oval Office, a person in the Oval Office, a person in government, a person in uh, as far as a mayor or a governor or, or whoever else in higher offices, as we call it, higher offices. But we need someone that is going to allow God to reposition them, not to look at things in a natural, but to see with spiritual eyes and to be able to see what's really going on because with our natural eyes we really can't see and so God asked him he said and then when he when he set Ezekiel down he opened his eyes Ezekiel looked around and he saw all these dry bones and then he asked him can these bones live he said Lord you alone know it but then Ezekiel wasn't so prideful to say well let me try to fix it then let me look for an answer but the answer he realized was in God that let me tell you something the president needs to realize the governor needs to realize the mayor needs to realize that the answer is in God that's it and so uh Ezekiel did he said I he said the Lord told me to prophesy and what did he say he said and I prophesied as I was commanded. So you need somebody that's going to be uh, 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 pliable, somebody that's going to be willing to be repositioned to look at this thing from a spiritual aspect instead of a natural aspect. Instead of looking through natural eyes, you need a man in a, a, a presidency in the Oval Office and a governor, a mayor that is going to be willing to allow God to take them and reposition them to show them something that they couldn't see on their own. And, and so Ezekiel was willing to do that. And he said, Lord, you alone know it. And see, See, people need to realize that, hey, sometimes I just don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't care if you're the president, the mayor, the governor, whoever. Sometimes, but you're still a man. You're still a woman, whether it's a, a, a female mayor, a female governor, a female president, a male president, whoever. Sometimes you just don't know. You just don't have the answer. But the answer is still in God. If a person would humble themselves enough to call on God to say, show me where the answer is, show me what to do. And then uh, uh, not try to take the credit for themselves, but to allow God to lead them in the proper steps to take to get this situation changed. So we need somebody that's able, that's, that's willing to be repositioned to look at it from a spiritual angle, let God show them. And then we need somebody that's going to say what he says, do what he does. And then we need somebody that's going to say, look, I'm not so prideful that I need to get the glory, that I need to get the credit. You know, I'm going to follow God. If God says to prophesy like he said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the four winds of the earth, he didn't prophesy. If he tell you to go out there and spit on the dirt and throw it in the air and or whatever, do that. He said, I did. I prophesied as I was commanded. And then you realize that then after he did that, and then the bones started coming together with bone and then Sanu with Sanu. And he said, prophesied to the four winds of the earth. And he prophesied, he said, I prophesied it as, as I was commanded. And then the spirit entered into them and they stood up. You see, the answer is 
in God. Um, and I didn't get to this part last podcast, but I really believe looking at the scriptures that every president needs a prophet. Did you hear what I said? Every president needs a prophet. Because if you look at the scriptures, if you look at the word of God, every king in the Old Testament. Now, I don't throw away the scriptures because it says Old Testament. Really, you, you, I don't like the, the word old because it implies something to be done away with. But I like former. It's the former covenant. It's the former covenant. It's the covenant that was enacted with the blood of animals and goats and things like that. Uh, and the Bible will tell you that in Hebrews. But the new covenant or the latter covenant is that which was enacted by the blood of Jesus. That's why John said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. His blood was to be a propitiation for man, a covering for man, a, 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 a payment for the sins of the whole world. And so he said that there he is, that's the lamb right there. Uh, but we have to realize that uh, that God is still uh, doing the same thing that he always have done. And so every every king had a prophet. David had his Nathan. And so, you know, a king, even though as powerful as he was, when Nathan came to him and David was trying to do the, the little cover up thing, uh, because he had took a man's wife got the, and, and ordered the man to be killed and all that kind of thing. Uh, he was trying to cover that up. But yet God knew that David was a man after God's own heart, which meant that he really wanted to do what was in God's heart. But yet he had that human side that he yielded to and he messed up. And so when Nathan came to him and gave him that parable and then David said that man ought to be stoned. And then Nathan turned around and said, David, you're the man. There needs to be a prophet. Every every king had a prophet. Every president should have a prophet to be able to consult with them on what is the mind of God. And I truly believe that every leader needs a leader. I can't be a leader if I'm leading by my own the dictates of my own heart. But I need to be able to hear the voice of God in order to lead the people because God knows the way and he is the lead. even with Moses, as powerful as Moses was, Moses consulted with God, you see, and and in and, and Aaron was his prophet. But Moses consulted with God to find out what the next move was. Moses never tried to be so prideful that he just took the people and just went out there and said, oh, I think it's a good idea. Let's go do this. But no, Moses heard from God. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man alive. And so we must understand that in this realm that we live in, there are spiritual principles. We, we are in the world, but we, you and I are not of the world. A child of God cannot conduct their lives like a person that is not saved, that doesn't know the Lord. We have to conduct our lives. The Bible says this. The Bible says that uh, that the sons of God, they walk in the spirit of God. They that walk in the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8. Hallelujah. The, the Bible says that you reap. And this is another part that I didn't get to because some people say, oh, well, he said that's a that's a judgment from God. The coronavirus is a judgment from God. Let me tell you something. God has already set up laws in the earth, just like with gravity. If you jump off of a building, you will not float. You will hit the ground or whatever is below that building. So that's a law that is already established in the earth. It is not God doing that to you. It is you breaking a law that God has set in place that says that you should not do this particular activity. You should walk down those stairs if you want to go down. You shouldn't jump off the building because you're going to kill yourself. And so God has already had laws that are established in the earth. The Bible says that a man reaps what he sows. And so when adverse situations come about, it's not God doing that to us. It's us not following the, the, the law. 
It's us not following the instructions. It's us not following the precepts of God. And then when we get the result that we get, then we blame God. We have we feel like we have to blame somebody, even Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned, he blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. You see, and that's just in human nature that we feel like that we have to blame somebody, but we have to look at our own behavior and 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 understand, is it in keeping with the law of God? Is it following the word of God? Is it following what God has told us to do? If we do what God has said not to do, then we'll reap the results that's already built into that particular act of disobedience. We have to understand that God told Adam that you know, don't eat of this fruit. I'm, I'm putting parameters on you. Don't eat of this fruit, because if you eat of this fruit in the day that you eat, you will surely die. Now, God was not talking about a physical death. Adam did not just drop dead. Adam lived 900 some years after that. But then we understand that Adam died spiritually and every man and woman that came along after that particular act received a nature that was like Adam's nature after he ate of that fruit because everything produces after its kind. And so Adam was no longer, he no longer had that image of God that he started with. He no longer had the characteristics of God that he started with. But now the Bible said that darkness passed upon all men. That's moral depravity. That is a crookedness. That's an inbred wickedness in the nature of man, in the DNA of man, in the inclinations of man and woman. When I say man, I mean mankind. I'm not just talking about a male. I'm talking about man kind. So we have to understand that God put us here on this earth, but God set, put laws in place. God put parameters upon man. And whenever we do what God has not told us to do, then we will reap the results of that particular action because it's already built in. And so uh, it's just like when God put man in the garden of Eden. And I, we talked about how God said, don't eat of that fruit, because in the day you eat, if you eat it, then you shall surely die. And so but at, but man decided what was all right for man, because the Bible said that Eve looked at the fruit and she decided that it was good for food and that, you know, that it was good to make one wise. Well, why would she decide that when God already said, don't eat it? Why would she even think that? Because she put herself in the place of God. You see, he, she put herself in the place of God. God had already put perimeters and guidelines for man because he knew what was good for man. Not to, not to, to, to keep him from something or, or, or deprive man of some kind of pleasure or whatever. But God put these things in place to keep man uh, uh, from uh, destruction, to keep man from reaping the results uh, that would be to his detriment. And so the Bible says that we reap what we sow. And so, you know, you, you have to look at the situation, uh, you know, that God put man in the garden to keep the garden, to dress it. He put man there to be a steward. God put us here in this earth, folks, to be stewards of this earth. But yet man burns forests and there's 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 sick animals. There are diseased animals in the forests, but that's their home. But yet man burns these forests and then the, the toxins or whatever, the sicknesses, the diseases is in the smoke. It's, it's in the fire, it's in the smoke and it gets into the air. And what's going to happen when people start breathing that, you know, uh, uh, also, uh, you know, mankind in, in all of his industrious endeavors and things like that, he begins to dump things into the water. Uh, that's chemicals that, that they are harmful to human and animal life. But yet we're not being good stewards of what God has given us. We're misusing the planet. We're misusing, uh, 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 mis mishandling things. But yet we have to we have to live and we have to conduct ourselves according to the laws of God. Now, the Bible says in Galatians six, seven through nine, he said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And what does it mean to be deceived? The word in the Greek is planeo. Uh, it means to cause to wander. It means to lead astray. Don't be led astray and don't let nobody cause you to wander or to deviate from the correct path 
or, or roaming into error or to be misled because God, Theos, the supreme being, is not mocked. What does the word mock mean in the Greek? Uh, uh, the, the Greek word is mokterizo. Uh, it's a verb and it means to sneer at or to disdain or to turn up the nose at. We cannot turn up our nose at God because God is not mocked because whatever principle that is in place, we need to pay attention to it because if we break it, then we'll, it's like planting a seed. That's why he said a man will reap what he sows, just like a person plants seed in the ground and, and something and a crop comes up. You know, when we plant that seed, when we sow something, we can expect a crop. And if it, it depends on what kind of crop we want, uh, uh, as as to, as to what seed we sow determines what kind of crop we want. Did you hear that? Uh, by what seed we sow, it determines what kind of crop we want. A man, an uh, anthropos in the Greek, a man, uh, uh, it, it, he, you can't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man, an anthropos, sows, uh, this also shall he or she reap. And the word sow is spiro. It's a verb. It means to spread. It means to scatter. Uh, it means to sow seed. Uh, and it comes from a verb spao. It means to draw out. So whatever you take out of your bag in the old uh, world, in the first century and all of that, they had a bag on their shoulder and they would have the seed in the bag and they would reach into the bag and they would take a handful of seed and fling it out into the earth. And so whatever we reach our hand into and we are partakers of that thing and we begin to activate that thing, then it's going to bring a fruit. It's going to bring fruit. It's going to bring a, a crop rather. And then we're going to have fruit, whatever kind of fruit it may be. It may be good fruit. It may be rotten fruit. It depends on the seed that we sow. Uh, it said he shall also reap. We're going to reap it. It might be five years down the road. It might be a day down the road. It might be hours down the road or whatever. But whatever we sow, we shall also reap. You got to realize that you don't put. You, look, you and I, we don't do any action in this world. Of uh, We don't uh, 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 put forth any energy or effort in this world and not expect for something to come back because of it. It's cause and effect. Well, that's what science calls it, cause and effect. God had already, he already dis discovered that thing. He already created that thing that they call cause and effect. It's called sowing and reaping. And so, you know, when, when, uh, when you sow something into the ground, like I said, it might not come up right away, but guess what? It is coming up again. And so whatever seed it is that we sow into the ground, we can get ready for it to come up again. And in many respects, man is only reaping what he or she has sown. Mankind is only reaping what they have sown. This podcast, a particular one tonight that I'm doing, uh, I decided to call it, of course, we've been talking about, you know, now are we the sons of God, you know, and, and I'm I'm happy that I am a son of God, but yet but in that relationship that we have with God as sons and daughters of God, if you want to put it that way, uh, we that there, God has expectations of us. Not only do we expect things from him, but God expects something from us also. You know, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, it says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi 3, 6 King James Version uh, says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Micah 5, 2 says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Genesis chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens 
and the earth. And verse two says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, why do I read those particular scriptures? Because, you know, many times we we try to take God and we call it religion or whatever, but you can't put God into a box. You, you can't keep God in a church building. You can't limit God by uh, 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 doctrines and, and, and things like that. Uh, uh, but you, you can't limit God like that. Paul said that in him we live and move and have our being. He said that God does not dwell in temples made by man's hands and he's not served by man's hands as though he needed anything. We don't have to help God with anything. God can do things by himself, but he allows man to be a part of his plan. And so what I want to say also this, that the Holy Spirit quickened something to me earlier. And that is that, you know, uh, the, Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. And a lot of time we try to, we try to capture God. We, we try to capsulate God inside of our churches, inside of our denominations, inside of our doctrines and all those kind of things. But we have to allow God to be God and that's it. And, and not only do we have to allow, we can't allow God to be God because guess what? Whether we try to put parameters or boxes or whatever on God, he's still going to be God. So it's not really about us allowing him to be anything, but we have to fall in line with him. The Bible said the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The spirit of God is still moving. You know, I, I, I like in Ezekiel way, he was talking about the wheels and how the, the, the one wheel inside of another wheel and wherever the spirit went, that's where the wheels went. And that's in and, and whatever productivity man is going to have will speak of productivity will speak of movement uh uh uh, uh will speak of industry and and if we're going to be creative if we're going to be prosperous in the earth wherever the spirit goes we have to go Whatever the spirit is doing, we have to do it as children of God. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again because, you know, you're trying to enter into something in the flesh, but you can't enter into it in the flesh. You know, sometimes we try to enter into uh, relationships in the flesh. We try to enter into uh, jobs or, or, or careers in the flesh. But only as we enter into things by the spirit will we experience the spirit of God and the kingdom of God operating in that thing. But if we try to enter into it in the flesh, Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. I hope somebody caught that And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so when when we when we uh, tackle situations in life, we can't tackle them by the flesh, because if if we tackle them by the flesh, the Bible says that uh, uh, the flesh profits nothing. But the spirit is life. And so everything that we do has to be done in the spirit of God. If you're a child of God, this is how, you know, like I said, now are we the sons of God? So we can't operate like we used to operate. Very often Jesus would teach. Now, listen to this shifting gears. Very often Jesus would teach the kingdom of heaven to his disciples and the common folk by way of a first century rabbinic mechanism. It is called a parable. The definition of a parable is a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. A parable is a short story that teaches a moral or a spiritual lesson. These teachings instructed the believer what God has uh, what God as father, excuse me, these teachings instructed the believer what God as father instructs or inspects expects of us. I'm going to get it out. These teachings instructed the believer what God as father expects of us, what laws must be operated in by us and what we as children should know about God and what we can expect from God, but nothing just happens in God's kingdom. Did you hear what I said? We're, we were talking earlier about sowing and reaping. Let me tell you something. If you want something out of the kingdom, you got to put something in the kingdom. Did you hear what I said? In other words, you know, uh, if, if, if you want a manifestation, you got to have an activation. 
But when you activate, you have to do it according to the guidelines of the kingdom because you won't be able to get out of the kingdom what is in the kingdom for you. Like the Bible said that our inheritance is in heaven with God. We can't we won't be able to get none of that if we don't operate according to the principles that are set up. If you have a car or if you have a washing machine or if you have a dryer or whatever, you can't misuse that thing. You have to you have to operate that thing according to the uh, according to the guidelines. You have to operate it according to the owner's manual. And 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 life is the same way because we have to operate life according to what God has said in his word, the tools that he's given us. I told you the Bible, it, it, it has tools for life. That's what the Bible is. It's, a, it's 66 books that's, that's compiled into one book that has all these tools for life. And if we want to, to, to be pleasing to God and allow God to, to elevate us and move us into areas that he wants us to be in, then we have to operate this thing according to the way that he said to do it. But we won't get it just sitting around talking about, I've got faith, I've got faith in God, I believe, I believe, but we have to activate, we have to do something. We, you know, the kingdom of God is, 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 is not static, it is dynamic. And you know, when you look at a website and it says that it's static, that means that it's just there. There's no changing of that picture or anything like that. But when it says that it's a dynamic website, that means you might look at the picture and the picture start changing and you see a waterfall and the water starts moving and all that kind of thing. That's how the kingdom of God is. There's always movement in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus, when he went into the marketplace and he saw these men standing idly by, he didn't allow them to stand idly by. He said, look, I need you to go to work. 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 And I need you to go to work. Because let me tell you something. I didn't give you all this ability to stand around and, and just look and, and be cute in the marketplace. I gave you this ability so that you can go out and work in the kingdom. Let me tell you something. I used to think that work was a, a curse after the fall, after Adam did what he did. Oh, now he's got to, you know, plow the ground. He's got to till the ground and he's got to get his bread from the sweat of his brow. But if you go back and you look further back, even before Adam sinned, the Bible said that there was no man to till the ground. Tilling is work. God had already set up for man to work, mankind to work. That's why he gave us hands so that we could work, so that we could be creative, so that we can be about doing something. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Don't just sit around. Don't just talk about you. I got faith. I got faith. I believe God and all this kind of thing. But yet, you know, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord and the Lord waiting on us. In God's kingdom. Shifting gears again in God's kingdom, which has come to earth in an invisible way, but having visible results. Did you hear what I said? Let me let me read that again. In God's kingdom, which has come to earth in a visible in an invisible way, but having visible results. Nothing just happens in the kingdom. If you say, well, I have faith. Nothing just happens because James uh, says this. Listen to what James says in James chapter two, beginning with verse 14. He said, what 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 does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, their own physical body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, <coughs> excuse me, even so faith, if it hath not works is dead, being alone. Verse 18, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. James says, show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble, but wilt thou know, O vain man? That faith without works is dead. God wants us to be busy. God wants us to be about 
doing something. And uh, like I said, you know, we call this podcast and I've been doing this series now with the sons of God uh, as a, a subtitle, if you want to call it that I've called called this one sowing and reaping or this and that, because it's just like what what science has said. There is a cause and there is an effect. But the Bible said there is sowing and there is reaping. Let me tell you something. If we don't put forth the effort in the thing that God has put before us, then we won't get what God has promised us that we would get out of it. He said, if you cast your bread up on the water after many days, guess what? It's going to come back to you. Isn't that right? If you cast your bread up on the water after many days, it shall be given to you. He said in his word, he said, give and it shall be given unto you. You have to do something. You have to do something. For and some people say, well, you know, uh, you make one step, God will make two. God gave me the, the, the strength and the energy to make the first step that I made. So none of it is of me, but it's all of him. For uh, St. John 1, 12. Let me get over there and, and read that before we, we have to close. Uh, if you want to turn there with me, John, St. John 1.12. Many of us know it by heart, uh, but I don't want to misquote it. Amen. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Let me tell you something. You can't join your way into the family of God. But you can believe your way into the family of God. He said, as many as believed. You see, when you when you when you believe, that means we're not only believing, but receiving him. When I reach out to him, then he does something in me. But first, I've got to reach out to him and then he does something in me. You remember when blind Bartimaeus was by the roadside begging. You know, he was calling Jesus and Jesus kept walking and blind Bartimaeus. I like him because he started crying even more loudly. He said, Jesus, son of David, hold up. I know you hear me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped to see what the man wanted and he wanted his sight. That's all he wanted. And Jesus gave him what he wanted because he put out the effort. He put forth the effort to reach out to Jesus. Let me tell you something. There is no time on the face of this earth, coronavirus or no coronavirus, that you will ever reach out to Jesus and he won't reach back to you. Your loved one can be dying on their deathbed from the coronavirus and you reach out to Jesus in faith and pray for that person and Jesus raises them up. Don't think that it's happenstance, but it's because you reach out to him. There is no time. Let me tell you something. Some of some some of us think that we're pretty good fathers and all that kind of thing. But we're not we're nowhere near the kind of father that God is. And there's no time that that he'll ever hear his children crying out to him that he won't stop and see about them. Uh, John eight forty four says, ye are of your father, the devil and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Let me tell you something. Everybody is not a child of God. Some people say, well, we're all God's children. No, we are not. Because Adam lost that in the garden. That's why Paul said that, you know, Jesus came to reconcile man back to God. He came to put that relationship back together. In one uh, uh, in Romans, it talks about how that man, you know, he he holds the truth in unrighteousness. And even though he knows what is right, he wants to do what he wants to do. Romans chapter one said that man took God and 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 made the image of God into looking like four footed beast and creeping things and all that kind of thing. Let me tell you something, folks, with just a few minutes left, we've got to get back to God. We have got to get back to living this life the way God wants us to live it. We have got to get back to finding out the principles that God has put in his word so that you and I could live the kind of life that he wants us to live. I hope to hear from you. Uh, I hope that you would leave me a voice message if you have any questions and we can address them on the show uh, or any criticisms or whatever you may have. Just keep it clean. That's all. Um, also, I want to give you my website 
for this uh, podcast. It's Rev Kev, R-E-V-K-E-V, Rev Kev and the Root. It's spelled out A-N-D-T-H-E-R-O-O-T, Rev Kev and the Root, 2020 at gmail.com. That's Rev Kev and the Root. 2020 at gmail.com. I'd also encourage you to give to this ministry, uh, to, to make donations if you would like to. And, uh, I promise you the money will be used appropriately for the kingdom of God. Now, before we go, let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every person that is listening. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would see them over the hills, the mountains, and even in the valley, Lord, that you would let them know, Father, that even as you were with David in the shadow of uh, valley of the shadow of death, you will be with them, Father. And that doesn't mean, Lord, that, that they're going to die, but, Lord, that means that things get so dark sometimes that you can compare it to death. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would help us to know, Father, that we need to live this life according to what you, how you want us to live it. And, Lord, we need to give, submit ourselves to you and resist the devil, knowing that he will flee from us. Lord, the only way to live a fruitful life and a good life and a, whole, a wholesome life is to live it in you. Because in you we live and move and have our being. So until next time, I say God bless you. God keep you. Give somebody a hug for me and your family and, and tell them I'm praying for them, that God recover them and keep them and protect them, even as he did with the children of Israel, because they put the blood around the doorposts of their homes. The death angel passed right over. And let me tell you something. If we keep ourselves in God, if we keep faith in God and live for God, then this coronavirus won't touch us. It will pass right over. Until next time, God bless you. This is Rev Kev.